Hala, Hala. Join the guys as they welcome special guest, Matt Brown to talk about his podcasting journey, and his affinity for the Knicks. You don't want to miss this. Get comfortable. It's time for therapy. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's Hoop Therapy. Brought to you by your co-host, Kayshawn, a.k.a. Killer K, a.k.a. the King of Queens, a.k.a. your favorite Tar Heel. And with me, as always, my highly, highly esteemed co-host. It's D-Chaps, a.k.a. Danny C. Uh, Pull up a seat back on our couch and enjoy some therapy. Hey, man, it's therapy without a fee. All we ask you like, subscribe, review, and go ahead and hit that follow button. Sit back, we got y'all. Was a motherfucker. If you're in New York, buckle the fuck up. <laughs> Bundle the fuck up. Mother nature and brother nature is fucking up a storm. Jack Frost slapping niggas. On guard. What up, people? You know, today is a very special episode. Uh, with us today on the couch, we have a guy who. We did his podcast a couple months back in December, and you know we always said we wanted to have him back because we had such a great time, uh, you, you know, with him and his podcast. So, uh, guys, why don't you guys look out and, and make way for Matt Brown of Productive Conversations on you? You can find him on YouTube, Spotify, podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm as Matt Brown. Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome to the couch. How are you feeling today? Oh man, words can't describe how thrilled I am to have the be- to be on the best basketball podcast out there. Oh man, thank you so much for having me, guys, and thank you for the kind words. Hey, no problem. Th- thank you. You know, we strive to be the best. So, uh, I mean, we could kick it off real, real easy. Uh, what made you want to get into podcasting? You know. I always was a fan of radio for a very long time. Uh, specifically, I always liked hearing, you know, growing up in like the New York metro area, heard a lot of Mike and the Mad Dog when I was a kid with my pops. And um, so that started rolling, rolling the ball. Then uh, I would hear Howard Stern in my mother's car. And uh, I would go to YouTube like maybe 10, I guess, yeah, we're pushing about 10, 11 years ago in high school. And I would just listen to all these interviews. The very first time was the Seth Rogen interview. I was like, oh, this cool. This is a cool, like, long-form format. And podcasts were really starting to grow some more. So after Howard Stern, I heard a lot of them. I was like, what else is out there? So the first ever actual podcaster I listened to was Mark Maron. What the fuck with Mark Maron? This awesome interview podcast. Anyone relevant in, in the world, honestly, has been on the show from presidents, every actor, singer all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, as the years gone by and podcasts started growing more and more, I found some other ones I've been interested in from the Bill Simmons and the ringer, a lot of ESPN podcasts, some more like, again, those WFAN growing to more podcasts, barstool podcast, KFC, part of my take. And then I just really felt like this medium, uh, was my calling almost. So after that, I try to get audio anywhere. It is still podcast industry was growing. Like this is about 2015. And um, I got an internship at SiriusXM Radio. And I learned all the gists from Adobe Audition particularly, which is what I use now to create the podcast. 
I felt I was always a natural talker, gift of the gab, and I just love to talk about anything and, and talk with anyone. So again, while I was pursuing my TV career and uh, things were going smoothly, then the pandemic hits. And after the pandemic hits, I, uh, you know, was distraught, not knowing what's going on. And uh, it hit me about September. So pandemic hits in March. All I did was watch movies and a lot of writing. And then uh, I had, you know, I'm living at home at the moment and my dad would just always uh, say, what are you doing? While still look, generally looking for jobs, he was just felt I was almost being a bum and not doing much. So I figured I've been listening to a lot of podcasts more. I got a little money from, um, I saved up and then helped from our stimulus checks. And then I just said, I just said, fuck it, I got to do it. And the main thing that put me over the edge was I applied for this job at an old internship that they, that I clearly qualified for had all the requirements, all the years of experience they needed. And they still said you weren't qualified enough. So I literally said, fuck this. I'm going to make my own content with something that I love to do, love to listen to with podcasts. And I know I'm good enough to make it on my own. So all of September was getting the rest of my money set, buying my equipment, microphones, mixers, the software to, to uh, create the podcast, Adobe Audition, and then, you know, your podcasting host. And uh, then in October, uh, the show I started doing a show. October 20th was the first official episode. I released three shows, one with my brother Bridden, one with a friend Teddy, and one with a friend Ryan. And then I just said, you know what, while I'm still pursuing my career, while still trying to get my career back on track, I should say, might as well create some content and genuinely talk with all these cool people like you guys. Thanks for coming on with the Hoop Therapy. It was one of my favorite episodes. And then I could just show more of these hiring managers and producers in both audio broadcasting and TV movies and just show like, hey, while this whole mess of the pandemic happened and derailed everything, I still decided to not back down, create my own content, show my creativity while still having a purpose to uh, entertain an audience and also just give validation to all my guests and show they're cool and stuff. Cause I would hear often a lot that like, Oh, I'm not interesting. Oh, I'm not, I'm not funny or whatever. And then I just figured with all the various guests I've had, I could just show off to people that they are cool and hopefully that validates themselves. So again, I know that's a long winded answer, but that is really, it's just been a long time coming. Always loved the podcast when I had a real uh, obstacle in my life and career. I figured go to what you love to do. And uh, now we're 47 episodes in and we're just continue to grow. Damn, that's the story right there, man. That's a perfect answer. Sometimes there really is nothing to it, but just do it. Like you said, you know, sometimes, you know, all you got to do is buckle down, just put the grind in and create things yourself. And at the end of the day, you know, with the best intentions, the right, you know, places are found. Oh, that's why yeah. we that's why we chimed it up to call it, you know, hoop therapy, because as much as it's fun and as much as it's, you know, a side thing, you know, creating content itself is like almost like a safe haven. And it's like, you know, in its own right and making the content and, you know, having the guests or finding the research and, and just doing all the backward backyard work. It ends up becoming like just such a great outlet to just kind of release oh, like yeah. thoughts and stress and, you know, 
make connections, etc. And yeah, it's it's awesome. So, but that was an awesome story. Yeah, and I think I've, as the more I've done this and still have a lot of work to do and skills enhance, I figure, I, I well, not figure, I found out that wow, a lot of these people have similar thoughts to me, and then there's thoughts that I'm not familiar with and learn from. And it's, okay. I think that's what's special about podcasts. They they really connect people. Not saying that you know other memes like TV or movies and or writing or if you're into adult movies at port i guess that's still media that does brings people together for weird reasons but like it's cool that podcasts are, are you really learn get something out of them you could be really inspired it's uh it's a really cool thing to see grow and it'll show that like the voice type of medium will never die and you know people always make that joke like oh everybody has a podcast i don't think that's necessarily true i only know like few people like four or five people that i know actually do it but i think it's an awesome way to just showcase out there and show who you are and it's going to be rewarding and as i i still hope to get back to work and stuff and i feel this this is an awesome outlet to to get me there and it's going to be an outlet that i will not forget about either and i will do the podcast even when i get back to work and everything and we'll just keep growing from there as you guys are going to keep growing i can't wait to see what you do yeah, for sure. And that's dope. And like when you were talking before, you mentioned how you have various, you know, guests and various topics. You know, when we got on there, we had the pleasure of, you know, bringing more basketball conversations. But like, you know, I've seen several episodes of just so many different ranging topics and people from different areas of life and et cetera. And, you know, the podcast, it seems like it's on its own is, you know, taking its own feet. And I see that, you know, you're launching your website. Um, yes. some merchandise to go along with it you got your logo set up so it's kind of setting itself up so give us a kind of a brief message about you know what the podcast itself is and you know where you see it going in the distant future yeah so i would say the the best way to sum it all up the productive conversations podcast is a podcast where we have genuine conversations that are being recorded and whatever we're talking about whether it's basketball whether it's uh, social issues, whether it's movies or TV. It's just understanding relationships and friendships and family. Whatever we're talking about, we're always going to be productive. We can always be productive in whatever we do. And the Productive Conversations podcast is just a way for me, again, to show my creativity, enhance my skills, while also having the purpose to entertain, inform, and inspire my audience. And let it grow from there and showcase the more interesting people in our world. Like my goal as somebody uh, who loves to interview people, I just want to make almost celebrities out of my guests that aren't yet or maybe even soon will be. And then what I hope to see this show grow, not only hopefully it leads me to getting a new job or opportunity in media, but for other podcasts itself, I would like it to become an empire in itself, I would love it to maybe even branch off it to either getting bought out and bought and being a part of a bigger podcasting community or podcasting site, whether it's, you know, just spitballing here, a ringer podcast, a barstool podcast, a nerdist podcast. It'd be awesome to get bought out and, um, you know, be a part of that type of community or it can maybe lead to being its own podcasting host. And then maybe if you guys want to join, we could make our own podcasting network. And, uh, or I interest, I just met somebody new who's going to do a little segment. The, this girl 
Kaylee, who's gonna talk to me a couple uh, every two weeks. She's just gonna just shoot, we're just gonna shoot the shit and talk about the problems of guys and girls. She can have her own podcast. So maybe the productive conversations, if it's not gonna be bought out by a bigger podcasting network, I'd love it to grow, maybe even become its own podcasting network in the few years and give other opportunities to content creators. That's what I see this podcast going. Just keep growing, either joining another team and enhancing that team, or we're going to just make our own team and let it grow with other people coming together. So, mm. I, I like that because it it gives you avenues. You're not trying to pigeonhole yourself into, yes, I want to go big, or maybe I don't want to go big and do this. You're giving yourself a little leeway there. But you, you talk about your guests. Who, you know, besides us, who's a <laughs> guest that you've had who was like, Maybe quote maybe your favorite or your most interesting guest or something that you just really liked about a guest. That's a great question. I, I uh, been thinking about that lately, and I think uh, as of today, some of the shows that really stick out to me is one I really enjoyed interviewing my buddy Pl- Bladar, Bladar Pika. That was the sixth episode we ever did, and Bladar is a refugee who escaped his home country of albania which was a war-torn country at the time he told me about escaping to greece and that insane movie hollywood script story about uh get leaving getting caught and then getting deported uh going to jail as early i think he was six years old when his family went to jail getting locked up for trying to escape for a better life and that really made me pause for a second thinking about all the first world problems i complained about and this guy this just sweet guy from New Jersey told tell me about his incredible story to get where he is, and I learned the value of almost life from that. So that one really stuck out to me. I'd have to say when I talked to Natalie Hardy last week, this female uh, stand up, and she just brought a great energy. She was very funny. Um, you know, I haven't really uh, talked with a lot of uh, females who pursue comedy, and it was really cool hearing that perspective and. Uh, just hearing her funny stories and stuff like that. So that was a special one, I would say. And, uh, you know, got a lot of goals from that. I, uh, again, no doubt, definitely having the Hoop Therapy podcast was genuinely a good time because I really liked your guys' energy. You know what you're talking about. And um, it was just, this was the first time I ever talked to someone I never actually met in person before with you two. And then it just went so smoothly and got a lot of great feedback for it. So, I find that a real accomplishment. And then the last one that really stuck out is um, uh, I had my friend, I had my friend um, Ryan back Dickey and was really funny talking about working for ESPN and uh, all the life lessons he got. So it was, it was a great time. Every single podcast I do has a special place in my heart, but those stick out in particular. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Um, you know, one more guest centered question before wait we, before before you get into that completely okay. on a on, i guess maybe on an unrelated note but just to the attest to the first story that you had said about the your friend who was the refugee like yep. sometimes there's just certain things that you see or hear or just experience that just make you realize like like maybe even if it's close to you or you know like in this situation like it's on the other side of the world like there's certain moments that just make you realize like people live completely different lives and like yeah. obviously not a friend of mine, but um, Davis Bertans of the, the Washington Wizards, one of like the best shooters in the league. Mm-hmm. Friend 
the other day sent a picture of his his hands and on one of his hands his third finger to the left is cut off so you know i'm wow. like wait i never knew that so i looked up online and turns out that you know when he was a young teenager in latvia he had to cut wood to produce you know heat for his building for his family and in cutting wood at, at 13 years old cut off his finger and and had to like drive and run like 26 miles to get to the closest hospital Jeez. and like wasn't able to save like his finger and had to amputate it and it's just like maybe just like just take a step back and just realize like yeah like exactly how you said like as much as the pandemic and you know working from home has stressed me out like these first world problems really mean nothing in the long run oh yeah that it, it never really hit me as hard when you know like survive of the fittest and something like that exactly, yep. just i didn't know this bladar was just a doorman while that who worked in a building i worked in in new york city and he lived this whole other life just to get there and uh just an amazing energy and attitude and and like not to get too corny, but that cobble really uh changed my life in the sense that like yo mm. that remember what people are going through and yeah. to get there so it uh made me stick out and it, i mean it really stuck out to me so and um, yeah and th- that's what i was going to ask like what was the most uh most interesting thing you learned from your guests uh and i guess that's probably it or the most you've learned from them because i'm just that story in itself is like you said, a Hollywood movie, but it's like, mm-hmm. no, this is real life. I would say the most interesting thing I got out of my guests is the fact that, again, everybody has a legit Hollywood story, movie story in that. Now, I understand not everybody is as open to sharing those type of stories. and Some stories are more personal than others, and I totally respect that. And it's, you know, let them uh, uh, tell their story when they're ready, but... I just want to assure the people that everyone has worth and has a story and throughout my guests and, and continue with that and meeting more interesting people. I'm excited to see these stories be brought and told that may not have had a platform otherwise. Definitely. And, uh, you, you know, um, I love what you do at your pod. You know, productive conversations is probably the perfect name for it because you, you, like you said, you're having conversations with many different people. You know, from singers to Hollywood movie background guys who are doormen in real life. But you know, things mm-hmm. could be whatever. But you know, I, I just I appreciate your podcast because it's just different people sitting down and it's just like, so what are we talking about today? And, mm-hmm. You know, I think that. It's just like a brilliant bridge and success mark towards the future. So I'm really proud of everything oh, you're doing. And, you know, just keep up the good work. That means a lot. And you guys keep up with what you're doing, too. I mean, you guys have a great perspective in, in making talking basketball a a thing that's a positive distraction. And whether it was your guest, like when you did your Harden, your, the big Harden emergency podcast, that was so much fun. Had so many great guys from all different backgrounds in New York in particular. And they all brought something to the table. You guys bring something to the table. And uh, I know it's, it's going to go far as long as you want it to. And uh, I, I'm excited to see what you said and uh, what you do. And, and thank you for what you said. Also, it's just about, um, moving forward with it and continue to grow and make it marketable. Mm-hmm. So, um, did you, by chance, did you catch the Super Bowl? I mean, you... Oh yeah, of course I watched the Super Bowl. What a time, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you feel about that as a, uh, New York centric guy and 
Tommy Terrific getting another one. Well, you know, I have a very unique look at Tom Brady. So, you know, uh, my dad, right? So my dad somehow became a huge Tom Brady fan. Even though he grew up in the Bronx, he became a Tom Brady fan. So, you know, my dad's a very, my dad's awesome. He's the man. Um, but, you know, he just goes to the grinds and work trying to get, you know, keep his family moving and stuff. So, but when I would see, but because he's just a big Tom Brady fan, you know, moving from the Bronx to Connecticut, it was just so accessible. He just really he honestly fell in love with the guy. And it's just so cool to see my dad's reactions to what Brady's does good. Like that's the, one of the few times I've ever seen him scream and bounce around the walls and just go crazy for this guy. He really inspires him. Like, honestly, it's, it's, it's almost adorable. for lack of a better word. It's like a little kid seeing his, uh, his, his biggest inspiration play. So having said that, when Todd Brady wins, now I hate the Patriots with a passion, but when he was some of those Super Bowls, I really didn't have any animosity because, again, one, we beat him twice. I'm a Giants fan, so we beat him twice in the Super Bowl, so I'll never really be a hater of him because we're 2-0 and against him <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, once he went to tampa it was easier to honestly respect and like it with with grok too I, grok was one of the few patriots that i just didn't hate because he's just, just so yeah, freaking yeah. cool it's hard to hate those. him yeah. so see that when it, it was honestly pretty sweet i was happy for my dad with that i, I have family at tampa who've been waiting a long time for the bucks to win and they got it they got their second super bowl it was incredible and uh tom brady's the go i, I think i realized it i stopped eddie anabasti to brady after he beat the seahawks in particular i thought that mm-hmm. was when he became the goat at that point tie joe montana but in that he, he essentially beat the best defensive team in the last 20 years next to the uh one ravens with the legion of boo back then you know with sherman and earl thomas all those guys so uh it was uh, bobby wagner and and uh, yep and I, I thought that was what he became the GOAT. And I remember I watched it in college, right? Now, there was this guy. We were, I was in a fraternity college. We watched him. There was these four dudes I just don't like. And I have no problem telling their face to this day if they saw. And I know they don't <laughs> like me back either. But And that's fine. We looked at things differently. But they were ch- cheering hard for the Seahawks, right? I was like, oh, man, I, I didn't dislike these guys so much that I will, I want this New England Patriots team to win. And they wound up winning. So ever since then, I may not exactly be, you know, a diehard Brady fan like my pops, but that was the day when he got my respect. And at that point, he didn't win a Super Bowl in 10 years. So he did the Muhammad Ali 10 years before t- championships. So that's when he got my respect. And I was, I was genuinely happy to see Brady win. And uh, mm. I thought the Chiefs were going to win coming into it because they had you know, on paper on paper even with all their weapons i know they had two of their starting tackles missing but we just thought mahomes is so good that yep. he doesn't need it and he clearly yeah. does and that you know getting destroyed by guys like my man jpp always a giant in my heart and shaq barrett and all those guys it was a. Uh, it was though it was uh, it was a blowout, but like it was oddly entertaining to watch too. Maybe I'm the only one who feels that way, but like there was just some cool places to see Mahomes run like a uh, <laughs> he's running like a little cat ma- running away from a mouse, and 
it, it did say it. it uh, I think they'll be back before we know it, but good job for Brady and the Bucks, honestly. Yeah, no, I mean, I was the people I was with weren't really entertained by the game either. But I thought like the same thing. Where I mean, I had no, I like like how they say, I had no pick in the fight. So like, I don't, right. I really watch, I watch football all the time, just unbiasedly because I'm not really a big football guy. Mm-hmm. So I mean, obviously, you know, you, you see Tom Brady and then you know Pat Mahomes side, but it was entertaining to see, like you said, like you know Mahomes kind of just running for his life, like play after play, and then just making yeah. like insane throws, expecting them to get caught, and like obviously it's so hard to make a catch. Somewhere, you know, maybe just blatant drops, but it was almost like, okay, if you get this, if he gets this one miraculous play, then you can change the momentum around all the way down mm-hmm. to the end of the game. And, you know, you're watching Brady kind of just handle the game. I think that, like, the showing for the Bucks getting past the Green Bay was a lot different than this showing because I think that, you know, and I'll get to it in a bit because, you know, I have thoughts about injuries and, and championships, but they kind of got lucky with, you know, having those key injuries for the Chiefs mm-hmm. and, took advantage of it early and took way over control of the game. Oh, yeah. But a lot of people complained that it was, it was a bad Super Bowl or boring, but I don't, I didn't see that. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it shows a defense wins championships no matter what. No matter yeah, if you no are Mahomes or, or um, you know, the times that Tom Brady did get beat in the Super Bowl was because of a great defense. Shout out to our Giants for that. Um, <laughs> and sadly, the Eagles. But um, even though that was a fluke Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, that just... I if you I think if you just genuinely let football defense you were entertained, but um I understand for the casual viewer there's more entertaining stuff. Maybe they like the weekend more, even though I think it was only okay. What do you think of the performance? I know I haven't asked you yet yet, <clears throat> yet either, Kayshawn. What do you guys what do you guys think of the weekend? Well, I would say that the weekend was now I love the weekend a lot, man. I I can tell you the first time I heard the weekend was Breaking it. Well, I don't know. Was that technically when you go? We just went to Calf Pasture Beach uh, after hours, like senior high school, and my boy said, uh, "Yo, you have to hear this dude. He sounds just like Michael Jackson." That's what he said. Oh wow! And it was the Dirty Diana cover, and I was like, oh, "Okay." And then for the first time, um, that you know, in trilogy, my life changed, guys. So I was like, <laughs> "This is a artist I'm listening to for a long time," but for his performance. I think it was fine, you know. I do think there's better better performances out there, and I understand the COVID rules. But I mean, it was cool. It was cool with the like those people and the in the mask from like um, that movie Us. It looked like, and he sounded fine. I thought it was fine. What do yeah, you think, Kelly? Yeah, that that's how I feel. I mean, I, I like the weekend as well. You know, I, and I've seen him perform better. I've seen him do better things. Uh, you know, it, it was cool. I mean, anytime I can hear the weekend live, I'll listen to it because I, I like listening to him. But, you know, I mean, as far as like Super Bowl performances, it wasn't anything that like blew my socks off or anything. You know, it was it was OK. And I think that's fine. Who was your favorite Super Bowl halftime show for you guys, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, t- easy. Janet Jackson. <laughs> 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 I'll take I'll take I'll take last year. I'll take Shakira and J Lo. Oh that, yeah. That's that's I bought that on D V D. No way, no way. That's awesome. Nah, yeah. I'm playing, but nah. And they brought out they brought out two like, you know, global Latin stars, you know, yep. Bad Bunny and Balvin come out like, you know, obviously Shakira Colombian, so homegrown right there. J Lo's <laughs> fine as wine, you know. They were they put on uh, an attractive performance and then they brought out those two guys and you know yep. Bad Bunny was on the the rise of, of, 
you know, most musicians don't get the the chance to get of just kind of hitting superstardom in a short period of time, but he transcended and that's I was a huge I'm a huge fan of his work. So to see them come to the Super Bowl was kind of just like just real surprising to me. So I know it's like, you know, recency bias, but still nonetheless, like that was definitely like, you know, most notable to me for sure. Fucking uh great time with those dudes. Great time. Oh man, breaking barriers and yeah, I would go with Shakira and J Lo, then the other one I would go with Prince when he performed. Mm-hmm. Uh in the playing Purple Rain in the Rain. Uh has it while the rain is going on, he has his dancers in high heels going, he's rocking out. He could totally bust his ass at any moment, but he just uh rocked on and that's why he's a legend. Oh, yeah. yeah, that Beyonce one deserves mention too. You know, true. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a good one. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. But Didn't uh, Bruno perform with her. N- uh, Coldplay. Coldplay. Yeah, the Super Bowl Fifty. Yeah, they came out together. The, yeah. All of them. Oh, Bruno Mars was great actually. His year yeah. too with the drums. Yeah. Shout, shout out to Bruno Mars. He gets a, he gets underrated a lot. I fuck with Bruno. Yeah, he's yeah. a pretty good performer. His last album was damn near a classic too. I mean. Right. Which was his last one? Twenty four K. No. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that, 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 that um, good times. Bangers, bangers, top to bottom. Is there anyone that you want to see perform the Super Bowl that hasn't yet? You see, that's that was going to be my question, but framed a little bit differently because mm-hmm. I, 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 my, th- my thought is just like you know everybody always says if it's not up to their standards, kind of like you know like Kayshawn said, like it didn't blow my socks off. Like, who's going to be the next act to blow socks off? Like, yeah, you know, like. That's such a hard feat to do, and you see it as someone like The Weeknd who can sell out any stadium ever because, you know, has such a hardcore fan base. But you really need to have an, a spectacular performance, and nothing comes to my mind to think of, like, who can be that, like, superstar to come in and just, like, satisfy And, and they have to be a global artist. Like, you, global. You can't just and you like... got to make sure to get those markets, like, of the older people, too. So it's like... Right. Mm-hmm. It's a hard thing to hit. My first thought when I heard that, like, I was thinking maybe Drake, but I don't even think, and that's how crazy I think that that performance is so particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even think that Drake would be, like, you know, lights out. I think that people will have their stipulations with a Drake performance because he won't hit those older markets and that international market just the same no more. Right. You know who I would say? And I say this because he, I've seen who? a lot, the, the person I would say is, and I've seen this person actually hit older markets, like, Gain the person's respect, and I've seen him do like a eccentric performances too at the Grammys a couple times. But Kendrick Lamar, I think, is somebody mm. that a lot of people nope. could vouch for. I know he's been quiet for a for a long time, but I think he could. I could, I see him moving around, and you know his lyrics are pretty genuine, and I think and, that he would get a lot of respect from all ages. Yeah, he, he could probably do it, but I don't think people want to fall asleep during halftime. You know, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think it's it's rap's place to be at the Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, unless I it's Jay Z. You think I don't, I don't think that Hove would be a nice mm. halftime show, anyways? Like for someone like me who who fucks with his music, like of course. But then you gotta think, and this is where I feel like the weekend ran into issue was like you know how you spread the field. Like you know you need dancers out there. You know you yeah, need to take big, up the yeah. field and be center stage. Hove's over like fifty years old and is gonna be wearing <laughs> like a million dollar suit, just like sitting in a chair rapping his lyrics. Like it ain't gonna hit the same. You know it'd be That's good. I think me. I think Rihanna would be really good. Mm, I know yeah. she got asked before a decline with the cap thing, and uh, I don't know. Hopefully, she changed her mind, and uh, now that some sure. things have been pushed for changes, and uh, hopefully, she'll reconsider. Yeah, um, 
all in on Rihanna. More Rihanna. Yeah, that's, I'll take that vote right there for Rihanna. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. I like a Rihanna performance would be a okay in my book. Yes, sir. And she got and she got good features. So she would. That's oh, one yeah. other thing that the weekend lacked on was not having you know a nice guest pop out out of nowhere. Which yeah, maybe, maybe if he had that um that Drake cameo. Now you could have pulled Drake in there. And then <laughs> now now blown the socks off there. <laughs> That would have that would have been fire, actually. Yeah. No, you, I was surprised. You're right. He could have did. Uh, I guess he couldn't do it with Selena. I mean, I guess he doesn't have that great of features. But someone like Rihanna could pull a feature out of anywhere. The weekend's yeah. features on other guys' songs, on other people's songs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, Rihanna, she could pull out that Drake feature too. So you know. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and I'll try to find Rihanna's email address to hit her up for the next year's Super Bowl, and we'll All be right, right back. Right, so now we're back from break. Had some time to chill, talk, think things over. Um, you know, obviously this is hoop therapy, so we're bound to get into the hoops at one point. But before we jump into it, you know, I had written down when we were talking about Super Bowls and stuff and beforehand, just overlooking like championships overall. And, you know, we mentioned the fact that two star linemen for the Chiefs were unfortunately injured and the whole ordeal with the coaching staff and, you know, the cases that were pending against them and just seemed like a lot of dark clouds over the Chiefs on top of, you know, Mahomes injury, you know, going into the playoffs and just had a lot of negative things ticked against them versus a team like, you know, the Bucks who had a lot of things stacked towards them. And for some reason, it brought me to mind to think about Toronto versus Golden State. And, you know, Golden State had got struck with some of the worst mileage hits ever you could see. And, you know, down goes superstar after superstar. And on the fortunate side, you know, Toronto was playing great basketball. Kawhi was in almost the peak of his career, like, you know, playing insane basketball. And they just got blessed with the luck of strike lightning like that. And you see that happening so many times. And, you know, like people say, defense wins championships. But you could also say no championship was won without a little bit of luck. And maybe, you know, overlook some championships and think about it. And, you know, you can go into a deep dive of what was the most fair championship. But instead of asking that question, I guess I'll just ask you guys, you know, what was your favorite championship? And I'll jump into it after your guys' responses, but just to give you a look into what I was thinking, like my favorite so far of my recent, like, you know, memory had to be like, you know, the 2014 championship, Miami Heat, San Antonio Spurs, where the competition, the basketball, and just everything was just so high level and intense and just seemed like such a, a chess match of just elite play rather than just a blowout or uh, unfair advantage or anything like that. So, Give me, you know, your both your guys' favorite championship recent memory. It could be biased, unbiased. You know, what 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 comes to mind with your favorite championship run? And this is for basketball? No, just any sport overall. Oh, okay. You know, it could be Champions League, it could be the Wimbledon, it could be, you know, World Series, but what was your favorite series to watch? You know, what was your what you think was the most intense, like crazy finals games like you know, I think 2016 NBA Finals are up there. I think, uh, you know, that Seahawks game that you said against uh, New England was up there. Of like, you know, just crazy high-level sports play competition. What, so what, what comes to mind for you guys? You know, I would go with the – and I will say bias for this one, but I think it's – any sports fan can appreciate it is when the Giants upset the undefeated Patriots. And, you know – 
being a big Giants fan, follow the team really closely. And what the Giants were able to pull off that literally no one, no one thought that they could do was, you know, just the, the epic, the first of all, the epic way to get there, beating Brett Favre and Lambo. I remember watching that vividly, Lawrence Tynes kick. And then the Super Bowl 42, I, I rewatched it over quarantine and just, it was, uh, it was just uh, operatic the way it went. We won 17 14. I remember I watched it at my neighbor's house, Super Bowl. Um, no one, I think the Patriots were like 14 point favorites. No one, no one believed that they could do it. But again, that was the defense winning championships. Take making Tom Brady, um, you know, uh, making Tom Brady uncomfortable in the pocket. Lots of sacks. There's that famous sack of St- Michael Strahan fall us uh, making his final sack of his career. And um, at that point, we also thank our guy, our defensive backs, making sure that Randy Mawson didn't have a big game. I think that was a big difference. And we all know about the Tyree play and the touchdown to Plaxico. And what did those last two minutes? It was just the time of my life. I remember West Rocks Middle School at there was a fight between uh, like not a fight. Well, actually yeah, I'll say fight. It was just so many people coming at each other, Patriots and Giants fans being in a uh Connecticut school, school with both teams and and they really pulled it off. It was just so epic. I I get the chills every time thinking about it. Uh as a Cowboys fan, <laughs> I I'm indifferent to that whole Tom Brady uh, Eli Manning type of thing. Eli's trash, by the way. But <laughs> do we have enough time to rebuttal that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll bleep it out. Wow, we'll censor that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's fine. I respect his opinion. I just gotta, you know, with Eli Manning, I get it. I yeah. do get both sides of the coin. Whether it, you know. If we're talking about Eli Manning and his Hall of Fame candidacy, I get it on both sides. I mean, the man never was an all-pro. He had a little bit too many interceptions. <laughs> He's just one under. He has one more touchdown than interceptions. Uh, the man the man only really won in the playoffs his two Super Bowl years. I get it. But give credit to the man. His credit's due. I mean, the guy... Tech, the guy is a two-time Super Bowl MVP. The other six quarterbacks who have it are multiple MVPs. Are all Hall of Famers? Bradshaw and Brady and Peyton, Joe Montana, Eli Manning. I can't think of the other one, but uh, uh, so that that's something. He has me the Pro Bowl game streak is something worth worth uh mentioning. Game streak, you mean? Yeah, start. Sorry, yes. Uh, his starting game streak is worth mentioning. I don't know if he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I wouldn't be surprised if he gets there. And I understand again the opposition for it, but hey, he uh, he gave a shit and he always put himself out there for the team. And um, you know, as things sadly got to a decline, I still have a lot of love for him, and I I think he's a Super Bowl. I think he's a Hall of Famer, but I would understand the other side. So regardless of your spite for Eli Manning, Kayshawn, obviously there's no Cowboys (laughs) championships in your sight. There's no Wizards (laughs) championships in your sight. So 
what what do you got going for your favorite championship that you watch? Something I'm, I'm biased, gonna, something unbiased. What's what you got in your car? I mean, it's easy for me. Uh, this was 2017. This was North Carolina, and this mm-hmm. was when they beat Gonzaga to win the title. I mean, it wasn't that the game was anything great. It was just that what they came back from the year before, which I'm not going to talk about, <laughs> to come back and win it all the next year is to me it'll always just be something that stood out to me because I remember the feeling the year before of almost crying because mm-hmm. of what happened. And then I remember the feeling the year after almost crying because it worked out in my favor. So it was I'll bring it up and just say that, you know, what's his name? What, Marcus Page, right? Yeah, Marcus no. Page. Hit a hit a big three to tie the oh, game. He had- he hit the big three. That was one, one of the craziest. Yeah, double clutch, like, up in the air for, like, 20 seconds. Like, just wild shots that you would ever see. Just to, uh, just to you know, you, you know what happened. And know. then it was a blackout, and the game ended. Yeah, so, and then, for them to come out, come back from that the next year, yeah, win it all, was amazing, you know. <laughs> that's That's true, though, you know. But, damn. It's just crazy, you know. It's crazy to see, you know. Nothing better than the finals of a sport, you know. It's just the accumulation of, like, you know, any narrative of any, you know, mm-hmm. term to, uh, turmoil that a, a team could have faced and what's on the opposing side. Sometimes it's buzzer beaters. Sometimes it's, you know, blowouts. But nevertheless, that finals winning anything you do is just amazing. So I just wanted to get you guys' takes on that. Oh, what's yours? We didn't get yours. Yeah. So I, w- I was saying, I was oh, saying. Oh yeah, he's the day twenty fourteen finals. Spurs, Spurs mm-hmm. Heat. Uh-huh, because yeah, okay. I think that that was such an unbiased view, first of all, and you know, seeing afterwards that that was like LeBron's last year there, and kind of you know was like done with the Heatles, even though he flipped it over to Cleveland. Like that whole summer, just watching it, watching the Spurs do what they had to do, like watching Kawhi's ascension, just. It was such a high level of basketball. Like there were so many big plays, there's so many just like wild highlights and just such just high level of competition. The only thing I compare it to, like finals wise, honestly, like recently, is is the Warriors and and Cavs in 2016. So, you know, I, I, that's what that's I up say there for me. Because I remember I remember watching, but that one, it was at the end. It was a story because it, it the end result was so insane. But game to game was just like blow to blow like blowout after blowout you know it's like Cavs blow this one and then Warriors blow that one and it was not really total series wise it was toe to toe but in the game itself it really wasn't so that's why like I looked at you know that Spurs and Heat series and I just felt like it was just intense the whole th- way throughout you know man uh I hear you on that and especially the uh Draymond getting ejected or getting exactly. suspended and people always have that what if factor, but you're right. That game seven really did make up for it. And then when you'd have like LeBron and and Curry go go out blows, it's it was uh it was fun. And again, those four people I did not like. They wanted the Warriors to win, and but I've always been Team LeBron since I was yeah. a kid. So it was just it was incredible. It was like watching a superhero like defeat the villain because I'm not about the Warriors. Um, you know, well, I mean, I respected what they've accomplished and Steve Kerr and stuff, but you know, where are all the Warrior fans now? <laughs> yeah, I was always team. I was always team anti-Warrior, and that's why I, I, th- I thought the same. Like, I thought of it as kind of like you know, just like idols playing because you knew that Tim, Tony, Manu, and them were on their way out. You know, and to see them just put, produ- produce so high level during those playoff years, like was just almost like you're seeing like the last bit of greatness. Like you felt like how you felt you're watching Brady like this year, like you know. 
you see the greatness and you just put away all the questions because of the age and the tenure and everything that they've accomplished to that point already. Just to see them do it again, it's like classic. Like you're watching an instant classic. Definitely. Well, while we're on the favorites, um, Matt, let, let me get your favorite basketball memories. You know, let's uh, start narrowing it down mm-hmm. and let's get into your basketball thoughts. So what is your favorite basketball memory? You know, I really liked watching Kobe's last game with my best friends from college when it was live against the Jazz score in 60 and mm. really do miss him. That was really special. Never forget that day. Um, again, watching Kyrie swoosh, um, you get the big shot off Curry. It was just, oh man, so poetic and got him that epic win. And then going back to that finals, you were saying in game six, watching, um, first it wasn't that game. LeBron took off his headband. He's like, oh no, you know, shit was going down when he was, that was the game before that, that he took off the headband. You're right. You're right. You're right. So that was just those finals that time. And then, you know, uh, LeBron misses a shot. James catches, puts up a three. Won't go. Rebound, Bosch. Back out to Allen. His three-pointer. Bang! What a great time. I would have to go with those three. Okay. So, so as that brings you here, we know you're a Knicks fan. And <laughs> before we were talking, it was actually a pretty cool anniversary today. So why don't you tell us about your relationship with the Knicks before we go deeper into the Knicks here? Yeah, Hardcore Knicks fan, that is my special team because of just all the uh, pain and suffering I've dealt with, and historically they haven't been good. But what um, is special about today is on February 16th, 2004, I just pulled it up to, was the first time I ever went to an NBA game. I watched the Knicks versus the Detroit Pistons. And that season, the Pistons won the finals. They were the, the big, that big core. Like it's probably the last like true team without like a major stars and big three. Like this was just pure basketball, like college basketball is. They won the finals later that year, defeated Shaq and Kobe in their final year. And yeah, I went to Madison Square Garden exactly 17 years ago today. Mm. I saw Knicks Pistons. My favorite player, my first, you know. Well, I guess my my first favorite players were Shaq and Kobe got me introduced to basketball. Then when I realized I can't see him all the time, I can only see Knicks full time, uh, you know, non-primetime games. Yeah. I just hopped on there. Stephon Marbury is my first player. And in that game, I'm literally looking now. He went 28-9-4. and four. Jeez, four, only four. Or I should say 29-4-9. and nine. They have this switched up. but So almost a double-double. But and that was my game. That means he's shitting. Yeah. <laughs> literally, right? Like 45 in today's game. But yeah, at that time, you know, Penny Hardaway is on the team. So, see, probably some people think he's a Hall of Famer. DeKibbe, but Tumbo there. The, the star, I could tell you the starting five from the top of my head was Stephon Marbury is the point. The two was Jamal Crawford. Three was Kurt. Uh, three was Tim Thomas. Then we had Kurt Thomas on the four. And then it was Shandon Anderson. Mm. Wait, a. Uh, you know, that name, name rings a bell. Was that or Matumbo was the five? And uh, then we played that infamous five. It was uh, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, Chauncey, Deshaun Prince, and Rip Hamilton. So it was a pretty epic day and uh, so much fun. I, I remember I remember going to that vividly. And that was the going to the garden for the first time. This is the garden pre-renovations. It looks a lot different now. But, um, yeah, it was, I just got the jitters and uh, – 
knew I was going to stay a Knicks fan. And who knew? You, you would think. I've only seen the Knicks in the playoffs twice in my life. That year happened to be one of them. And uh, you just think, be a little better. But hopefully new era starts. I mean, there, you know, there was a time when the Warriors were like the Knicks. And uh, in the, you know, the Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson days. And I figure hopefully our time will come. Yeah, you know, they you say you never, uh, yeah, you never forget your first time. My first time at MSG was great, too. You know, I yeah. didn't see the Knicks, but, you know, because I don't really like the Knicks. But, you know, <laughs> St. John's, the real New York basketball team. You know, <laughs> that was your first game in the Garden? Yeah, St. John's well, I guess game. you, you cool. had never been to New York around before that? Well, I've been in New York. i just never been to the Garden. Been to a game over there? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's kind of dope. I think the first I can't even remember the first game I went to because I, I started going to games like a lot younger. But the most vivid I can remember is like, you know, early 2000s against the Trailblazers. Mm. And I've been to countless games. And it's cool that you say that you've seen the Pistons because now that I'm like, you know, older and, you know, actually paying for my games to go to see the games live, you know, it's definitely got to be notable enough to make it worth the trip. And I've been just kind of keeping like a star tracker, making sure I see as many stars as today because I can't remember seeing. I didn't really see any high games when I was younger, so I didn't really mm-hmm. get to see many of the stars when I was younger. So now I'm trying to see like as many of them as possible. So it's cool you got to see that Pistons championship team. Yeah, it was uh, something to, you know, of course at the time we should appreciate it more, but that was like, I, like the, that was the, the year before is like when I really, or I should say like two years before is when I really started caring about basketball and watching. Um you know, that final Lakers when they beat the Nets was the first finals I remember. So, uh, yeah, it was just incredible. And I just, I just love the te- Knicks, man. And as I explained, as I was explaining before to Keishon was, he asked me Knicks or Nets, why didn't you choose the Nets? I just saw the Knicks first and just, <laughs> I just, fo- I just thought literally that you pick a team and you stay loyal for them for the rest of your life. And I've learned as I got to know, that's not the case for a lot of people. Nope. I got in an yeah. argument with, uh, <laughs> with uh, one of my guests on the podcast, Gabe Mills, talking about that. He, he's he's a self-proclaimed bandwagoner, so he don't care if you call <laughs> it. So I just I just thought that was the point, and uh, it turns out not to be. But uh, I just I just uh, I just still feel it, that's what I have to do. Just go with my team. I've I've been I didn't even realize being a Knicks fan. I legitimately got made fun of for the fandom. Like they genuinely. <laughs> think it's a flaw of mine I'm like the fuck it's just it's just a team it's just cool and um and it's it's i just love the team and they're through thick and thin and i just figured i just want that ultimate bragging rights when they are good again to say that i was there the whole time mm. i think it's rare to find a new yorker nets fan like a true new yorker nets fan yeah like it's very very rare it's very yeah. like you got to have ties to jersey you have to have moved from Jersey. Like, <coughs> you had to have been over there because other than that, it's really rare. Like the Nets fans I know are, have either just become Nets fans recently in the Brooklyn era or like our Jersey kids. Exactly. Yeah, it's it, the, you're right. The only case I've I only known one kid who actually was a Nets fan the whole time, like the JK Vince Carter ones. But everyone else, like you said, is either a Jersey person or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, well, um, so so we can get a little more of your Knicks fandom. We're gonna play a little game of this or that, game of this or that, you know. Just, just a little something, something, quick rapid fire. See 
you know, what kind of Knicks fan you are. Let's get it. Oh, can I just say one thing before we play this? And, and I just want to hear your thoughts on it, uh, Denny Chaps, before was uh, I was I was saying, in case I didn't agree, too, that say that all the major sports were good at once. Knicks, Giants, Rangers, Yankees, New York Mets. Yeah, all the New York sports. Say they were all good at once. I would uh-huh. think, I actually think the Knicks would be the biggest deal. Like They care the most about it. One, because of NBA's rise in popularity. Two, the Knicks haven't won in almost 50 years. And just the Knicks are just, that's the only, that's, they're the only true team that actually plays in New York City of Manhattan. And it's just a lot of pride with it. So I think that's uh, worth knowing. Huh. Yeah, I think I'd agree. And actually, I just didn't really put two and two together. The fact that they are really the only ones right there in Manhattan like that. I guess like the Rangers, too, because they play in yeah, energy, yeah. but hockey's never really going to send popularity like that. Yeah, and not really. just the media following of New York is crazy. And obviously, we're going to go into these new era Knicks. But, you know, on just knowing we're going to talk Knicks, me and Sean took some time to deep dive into some stats and realize how... Um, I guess you say average these <laughs> Knicks are, <laughs> but gritty, like gritty. the gritty. Yeah, we'll call them gritty or, you know, That's work a good artists, word. but you know, at the end of the day, the tabloids love it. And, you know, yeah. I forgot which, I think it's maybe week two of quickly having his first like 18 point game, but in That's a good showing, I think against, I think it was the Clippers, but you know, full, full blown out image on the back page of, you know, right there on the brisk of Harden getting traded. KD, obviously, you know, any any other New York sports news that are major that could have been on that back page. You have a rookie, you know, a 19 year old kid who had a decent, OK game, but was ready to be put in the limelight. You know, people are ready to say that these are the next right. the future, like, you know, and even though Randall's and we'll get into it, numbers are, you know, through the roof. You know, there's people, you know, bleeding and dying for this guy, you know. So I think that you're right. Like, you know, it's already New York's most popular team right now is the Knicks, even though they have three of the biggest stars in the NBA. And that goes to show a whole bunch. Oh, man. The Emmanuel quickly is something special. Maybe he is the one. Everyone wants that. We really haven't had a true leader. I mean, I get it. Mello was fine. I'll just say fine in the most respectful way possible. But he didn't lead us. He never was that powerful superstar like like a LeBron, a uh, Kawhi, does uh, the Pru Chu team on his back. Melo never really fit that role. Marbury was good at a time, but you know, um he just he wasn't there that long. Kind of declined after the one season we made the playoffs. So I think we're just looking for our next Patrick Ewing that could be the true face of the Knicks one hundred percent of the time. And again, quickly still stream extremely young and he isn't technically a starter yet, but you know, everybody's almost demanding it. Uh, I know a lot of the Kentucky faithful, like a lot of people are hoping he'd come back for another season in in uh, Kentucky. But hopefully the floater God is uh, on his way to being that person and hopefully get some more starts. And he'd be a nice face for, for the team and for a long time. Yeah. But to your question, I'd definitely say Nick's, Nick's, got, Nick's got it on top for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so I think the just to just to add one more thing, I think the Yankees like kind of have depleted their like you know their stardom in terms of like franchises. They're like the Manchester United of baseball or like American <laughs> sports. Like literally, you can expect like always just star signings, just always just obscene money being poured out. And you know, you know, obviously they have tons of you know championships, but you know, not nothing really to show for it consistently. Like a dynasty being built, but they'll always be in the headlines for, uh, you know, free agency or trades, but 
never like you know if the Knicks the Knicks got Julius Randle and that means more to you know the city so <laughs> yeah you know it's uh I'm a diehard Yankee fan I really like them a lot they they but um it's not as many people like baseball anymore I do think in October they will be the talk of the town but that's only that one month of the year but damn it's a lit month of the year <laughs> possible too just for the one time people take baseball seriously but you know that's baseball's fault on why that's possible and mm-hmm. we can have that convo another day. Speaking of the Yankees, you know, I was at the mall yesterday and I saw someone in a Yankees Jacoby Ellsbury jersey. I didn't even realize they were making those. Oh my I mean, god! I mean, that, that's just that's just like a random jersey to have. Fuck in, Jacoby Ellsbury <laughs> in the middle of Virginia. Just <laughs> like yeah, right? do, what? That's his cousin or something walking around. Like, <laughs> you know, it's you like that up at Marshalls. <laughs> It's cool to have like random throwback jerseys of non big star players. Like if you can get like a Shaq Cavs jersey or when he was on the Celtics with Danny Taps, like that's cool, but not Jacoby Ellsbury who just straight up nah, stole money. Here they come, yo. Here they come. Here they come, yo. Here they This is that, you know, the Knicks edition. And, uh, All right. We'll start off with... First rendition of this or that. Yes. Hopefully we'll bring this back for more guests. Um, so, let's start easy. Melo or Jeremy Lin? Lin Sanity. <laughs> That's a funny question. <laughs> Definitely I would go with Melo, but Lin Sanity was an awesome two weeks. I will not lie. I remember being... I went to a TV taping of Live with Kelly Ripa. And they were doing insanity with some random person talking about it. It's good times like that against the Raptors when he went off. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, it just showed. I'm sorry, surprised saying- how many people ended up like really hating Melo in his last bit of a tenure there, yo. Like I heard some really foul shit from Knicks fans about Melo. Like they were ready to throw him to the fences, and I I, I wouldn't be surprised if I heard a couple Knicks fans take Jeremy Lin over Melo. <laughs> you know, like. Again, again, the Lin Sandy just shows if the Knicks are really good, how big of a media storm and how big of a story it is. When Lin was just was just, it was just two weeks of being good, but hey, it was a good two weeks. But yeah, man, I think we were just so disappointed that Melo wasn't our Patrick Ewing. That's all we wanted to get yeah. that Patrick Ewing, and uh, he had the potential for it, all this promise. I remember reading a tweet from Magic specifically saying a championship is coming. And I was in Florida when uh, Melo went on was a. Uh, was traded and uh you know we gave up some pretty solid core players at the time Gallinari and uh Raymond Felton even though he came back so and that's the thing if Melo just would have waited uh he could have you know went there with all the pieces and the Knicks probably would have been even better but he just couldn't wait he wanted that extension and you know and it just pushed us back so many years and it's final honestly it's finally finally start recovering and that took Eight se- it's been eight seasons since that. So because of his him wanting that, it made us play it made us look like shit through eight seasons with so many coaching changes and headaches. But the Knicks are relevant. Okay, so next. Uh Stefan Marbury or Jamal Crawford? Stefan Marbury. When we did my uh when you guys are on my podcast still repping my Barbary jersey, it's uh it's it's the special one and that's like my again, my first favorite Nick and and at the time, the man was very quick. He was good at passing. He's good at the passing. He can score okay on defense. But, you know, he was, you know, from Coney Island. So in 
a New York guy from the start, and it, it, it was good for two years. It was just too bad we couldn't get more out of it. Okay. Uh, Derek Fisher. Oh, wait, before you move on, you always got to mention the fact about strawberries, man. You always got to get like, <laughs> this man really bucks for those things. Brought, I think that's the last cheap, thing you should mention. You know? Cheap bet. Man, I like my strawberries, man. I don't care. <laughs> my mom was not buying no Jordans, no nothing. I had beater shoes all the time. So to actually have a pair of basketball shoes was the shit for me. And that's the point why he did that. And I fuck with strawberry for that. I, I'm, I'm glad you did that because uh, if you went to my school, we wouldn't have been friends. Because I was joking about <laughs> that I had on the $15 shoes. I was not right in the but you know. Do you think there's any way it could be cool, like just some trend, some TikTok trend, get yourself some Starberries or Drake wears them or Bad Bunny? Oh, absolutely. If they were any TikTok. Air Force made them way back. And I never thought Mm -hmm. the Air Force would make their way back ever, but... Oh, well, Forces is, is a legend. So those they're legendary shoes, but you know, you thought they got Hall of Fame. You know, you thought they got just you know put away, and you know the occasional person you see wearing a pair of all fresh white ones, you'd be like, "Damn, I remember my Air Forces." But those things are around like, like they give away from free now. <laughs> they made themselves all the way back. But I think with anything, I mean, the Bad Bunny Crocs were getting sold for like thousands of dollars, and it's like Bad I get it, they're Crocs. limited editions, but they're Crocs, you know. If any famous person wears something, it's going to end up following trying. Right. All right. Uh, next, Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher or David Fisdale? <laughs> That's like, do you want to hit yourself with a sledgehammer or an axe? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I mean, Derek Fisher gave us a genuinely worst season ever. We, there was one season where we only won 16 games. Like, goddamn. Uh David Fisdale is not much better with the, like a 22-win season. <laughs> And, um, you know, I mean, geez, this is hard. Like, uh, you know, he had the big endorsement from LeBron and everyone helping the heat being who, what they were. And geez, oh man, I'll have to go with (laughs) reluctantly Fizdale. At least he's okay on TV now. (laughs) I mean, Fisher gave us our very worst season ever. When and, when Phil comes in, you think Phil's gonna be the man for when he became president? Picks Derek Fisher and got some bullshit out of it. Yeah, and this is you know Fisdale ain't sleeping nobody on his team uh, girlfriend. So, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's no there's no there's no Kanye song about him getting beat up. <laughs> okay, uh, Joe Kim Noah or Lamar Odom, two Knicks legends. <laughs> Sometimes I forget what Odom was a Nick. Oh man, you know, you know, I'm gonna actually go. Even though they both shit, Jakeem Noah was supposed to have so much potential, and that guy cared more about partying. Barely played, hurt often, didn't do shit for us. Like a, a real animosity. So I'm gonna go with Lamar Odom. And he came, he didn't have many expectations, and uh, yeah. Cause I mean he was on crack, you know. When, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, he wasn't. Uh, like I said, they didn't. They didn't inhale him as a savior. Big, uh, big acquisition. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he he's recovering now. Crack. His very first move as the executive was to sign Lamar Odom, who was on crack. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, J.R. Smith and Nate Robinson. That's gonna be, you know, though Jr. was 
So actually a big part of those mellow Tyson Chandler teams. Nate Robinson, in a time when the Knicks weren't good at all, we could like between like 05 to 2010-ish. He was awesome, awesome at, you know, winning the dunk contest, uh, moving around. I think he, in that big Nuggets-Knicks fight, I think he actually scrapped with did he was he did he scrap with Jr. and Melo? I might be uh, wrong in that. But yeah, I think, he, he he was out there throwing them. I mean, I again, he, I think he hit Jameer Nelson. Am I wrong? Yes, he <laughs> somebody got popped. I know that. Yeah, he hit somebody. I, I know Melo was backpedaling. <laughs> nobody's business. He did like a corner out there running backwards. I mean, See, whether that or or Jake Paul. <laughs> man has a tough time with who he fights with but you know nate robinson was actually legit fun to watch at that times when the knicks were pretty bad so i'll go with him i mean was he only 510 and made the pretty legit nba career so that's awesome okay uh just a couple more emmanuel quickly or rj barrett that's tough uh, <laughs> oh i mean if you if we did it last year compared rookie seasons, easily quick. But uh, you know, RJ's really stepped up this year. He's been scoring more, getting some more uh, buckets and stuff like that. But quick, as long quick when he does get on the on the court and he gets his minutes, he's making the most of it. I mean, last night he scored four threes alone and um, good job moving the ball. Though it's going to be very tough. But you know, good to my head. I'm going with quick. This guy, late first round pick, nobody knew what we got. And again, I understand it's still very early in the season and anything can happen, but he seems he can hold his own. He seems he can compete with the big boys. And even at 19, I have a lot of faith in him. And hopefully he gets bigger. Hopefully he can continue that agility. And he might be the big point guard we've been looking for. I mean, who's the last great Nick point guard? What has, hasn't been Walt Clyde Frazier, really? Um, Raymond Felton. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, he did have like he did when he played, especially the pick and roll with Amari was killer. Yeah, and he was playing like an all star in himself, maybe like off the bench too. But um, again, even if that that's ten years ago since Felton played, so <laughs> yeah. let's go. Okay, so the last one: uh, Would you rather make the finals or have Dolan sell the team? <laughs> Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I've been glad that Dolan's kept quiet in these like this last uh, since the season started. But um, I gotta go with that ring, even if it's a Dolan ring. It's been a long time. I want to know what it's like. I've only seen the Knicks make it to the second round of the playoffs. Though it would be a great day for Dolan to trade the team. It's not a guarantee that they can win either. But if I could guarantee a Finals victory, go with that no matter what. That'll hold you down. That'll hold you down for a good like twenty, thirty years, honestly. To be oh honest. yeah, to be quite or, frank, one or random fifty winning. years, you know. Yeah, even that. fifty years. <laughs> 50 you won't start years. questioning it till like after forty-five. Then you'll be like, okay, <laughs> maybe. All right, <laughs> it's been that long. Right when it's uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Jr. out there playing. Right. <laughs> but uh, you know, I think we can fit in one more break before we can, you know, close out with. Knicks of today and see where their future is headed. Stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. 
so welcome back, man. Another break. But before the break, we got into some little game, this or that. Old Knicks, new Knicks, and obviously the new Knicks are the talk of the town, says Matt. And, you know, New York media. A um, lot, lot of praise for Knicks fans to their team for holding down a lower playoff spot. But, you know, now that we're back, let's get into some talk about these new era Knicks, you know, being led by Julius Randle, who is a legitimate all-star candidate. Yep. Um, yep. Young guard of the future, Emmanuel Quickly, Kentucky guy, um, off the bench, having bright spots in multiple games. Lou Williams floater, Derrick Rose mentorship is looking like the guy of the future. And then what I would like to say is they have a bunch of question marks. But nevertheless, the Tom Thibodeau team playing an absurd amount of minutes for young athletes with number one in the league, Julius Randle, and number four in the league, R.J. Barrett. We have the 13 and 15, or no, the third, what are they? 14 and 15. 14 and 15 New York Knicks. So, you know, before we get six seed in the Eastern Conference, right below the beloved Hoop Therapy Celtics at 13 and 13, actually have played the most games in the NBA so far. Um, have been what people like to call a gritty team. So let's get into it, man. Let's talk some Knicks basketball. Obviously, we said most popular team in New York, regardless of whatever's going on across the water in Brooklyn or any other field in New York to give that. So give us what you think so far, Matt. How's it been being a Knicks fan this year? It's been a humbling experience, and I mean humbling in the most simple, in the most genuine, real way possible. You know, this time last year in the first 29 games, the Knicks were 7-22. and 22. And now we've improved that almost, uh, we improved that 50%. Now we're at 14-15, and 15, just a game under 500. And we pick up, you know, D. Rose as that guy to, as an awesome veteran presence. I'm just, I'm just floored and having a great time. I get it. You know, the Knicks are probably around a 500 win team right now in our now I think legitimately talk about in the playoffs the way things are going and I get it they're not exactly gonna win the finals or win the east but I do think it's nice to see a legitimate core being built a legitimate culture being built ever since Thibs came in the Knicks are just just something to look forward to in such a stressful time that we're living in with COVID, with the pandemic, and any, you know, other problems you have in life that you're trying to get, overcome. It's nice for once, for a very long time, the Knicks are relevant again. And that's all we ask for, we, striving for, is to see our basketball team just make it and good enough. And I really want this core to stay stay as long as possible. Shout out to Leon Rose for what he's been building and the Knicks are now worth something. And and that is just so humbling and happy for me to see, for me to witness right now. And it's only going up from here. So I'll take the mic real quick and, you know, ask some questions to, you know, answer some Knicks questions that I have in mind. And as a Knicks fan who probably watches a bit more games than me, obviously, you know, so a bit more. So I guess the first question that I would have is Frankie Smokes. Where is he? <laughs> Four games, four games played, no minutes, no crack at the rotation. Dennis Smith's gone. He's at the bottom of that guard rotation. What's going on with him? He's where he deserves, man, on the bench. You know, it's, it is kind of crazy that he's not hurt and he's getting so many D, D, DNPs, did not plays. And, uh, well, 
if you just when you have a rising star in Emmanuel quickly playing his ass off, when you have um, you know, at the time Alfred Payton was not too bad, but um, you know, he's starting and he still could be legit someone who never who knows. Uh, you just have better cores to have with to have and look forward to there. And now you also have D Rose, you know, switching between the one and two. There's just no room for him, and uh, he's sadly where he belongs again in the on the bench. Yeah, yeah. He, he. I mean, he never really delivered on the promise of he was the okay. He can't shoot yet, but he he will maybe. But he's a really good defender and playmaker. Right. But it's just like he can't make plays. And uh, on defense, uh, he's all right. You know, but, you know. I'd like one to of the see better him. defender teams, too. Yeah, I'd like to see him, you know, moved along. But this Knicks team as a whole, I mean, they, they play gritty defense. They're number one in the league for defense. That's right. I mean, that's, that's as New York as it gets. I mean, we were talking earlier, Matt, and... I, I would love for their fans to be there because, you know, MSG, one of my favorite arenas, uh, to just catch a basketball game in. The other one is Barclays, coincidentally. But, you know, I, I think if you had the fans in there and the way the Knicks, I mean, they're they're scoring 104 points a game and allowing 103.6. Mm-hmm. So, inherently, all their games are just like close games. Yeah, you, that's you the one get, thing that is true. Yeah, you get that. In MSG with everybody there, you got Spike on the first row, <laughs> John McEnroe, you know, Ben Stiller. I mean, you want to talk about an electric atmosphere. I think that would, that's what the NBA is really missing out on right now. You miss it. You really miss it, man. Definitely. But um, uh, yeah. MSG is definitely electric. So, so do you feel Julius Randle is an all-star? There's no question. I mean, he's probably the major reason why the Knicks are so f- relevant now. You know, in that summer where we thought a big free agent was coming, you know, KD, Kyrie, who, who's who's coming by, Clay at the time, uh, the, the the our big our big pickup was Julius Randle. It's like you know, like I mean, that's cool and everything, but you know, you wanted the next big star, and if you know what. It took a couple seasons, but he is being the face of this team. That if it's not RJ or or Quick, I mean, oddly a little underrated. I saw the NBA All Star votes today. He's six, so he probably should be in there. You know, hopefully, no funny business comes. And I mean, the man, the man scoring, the man talk about great defenders pushing it through. Uh, oh, I think got a, he got a double double last night against the Hawks and. Man, he, it's nice to see that shit's finally coming together with him. Yeah, I think that I'm pretty pessimistic on most of the Knicks prospects, except for quickly. Um, but Randall actually, you know, no hate to him. He's actually having an extremely productive year. But Kayshawn and I were just trying to discuss before the podcast, because obviously, you know, knowing New York media is going to get him pushed in there. Like you said, sixth in voting uh, so far in fan vote. And, you know, the media is obviously going to love him. But... Just looking from, you know, the technical side, you know, just hoops wise, you know, it's hard to see who he beats out. And I would like to know who where he is in the rotation of that front court spot, because obviously the starting three is going to be a lock of Embiid, Giannis and KD, like without a question. But after that, is it immediately Julius? Is there a couple more in front of him to throw some names out there? You know, obviously you have fantastic play from Sabonis. 
who is yep. completely underrated because he has no media coverage and has had a monstrous year. You know, the Miami Heat have slid down record-wise, but have got great output from uh, Bam. And, you know, oddly enough, the Charlotte Hornets in the seventh seed have fantastic play from Gordon Hayward, who's been looking the greatest he's looked. So where in that spot do you place Julius? Well, for the – you know, I would put him – you know, maybe in that six man for the sake of this. Again, the Knicks were nothing last season, nothing, and all of a sudden the man puts in some works, hella great in the scoring and and rebound specifically, and being an actual New York player. You know, with that, I I think I won't go as far to say he started, but I really think he should come off right at the bench right away in the sixth spot. So he's got he's got the he's the fourth best big in the East. I mean, yeah, I would go as far with that, and the numbers don't lie in pushing with that. I especially, I think, especially very underrated on the rebound numbers. I think. Yeah, uh, and number I one think in I defensive. know exactly. So number so. one defensive. He's top ten in uh, offensive, and like I said before, he is leading the league in uh, in in minutes. It's not directly tra- translating over to value and uh, replacement, but you know, nevertheless, you're running the most minutes, grabbing the most boards. It's obvious you're doing the most hustle. Yeah. Um, Personally, like I like you know had my you know respect for Sabonis and obviously has won more games, has had more value to winning. Um, I would put Sabonis right there as the next big off, but I would put him over Gordon Hayward and Bam, even though Bam has been a freak and you know has been fantastic. You know they've won their games, they played the most games in the NBA. Next and pick, they still next have picked held... Keelan over over Bam. It's cringy. Yeah, yeah so. It's like, you know, but you got your Julius now and he's taking you out of the bright spot. So yeah. my question now would be, you know, obviously all-star, you know, caliber player on your team, looking at the sixth seed, hopefully hold that down or, you know, might even slide to seventh, who knows, but looking like playoff bound. And, you know, you say that you've got a core, but from my perspective, I see two good players and, and a bunch of question marks. You got about six like combo guards, you know, you have, you know, a fringe injured guy like Mitch, and you have almost a yeah, star-studded draft. You had a star-studded draft coming up, and it's almost like you know, is this is this the group you want from the Knicks going forward, or where they have would they have benefited from one more year of tanking? Nah, this is the this is worth going forward at this time to sh- because it shows legitimacy for the team. And I understand the free agent class coming in with no Giannis isn't exactly the most exciting at the time. I could be wrong, but. Um, saying that, but when I checked the last time, there wasn't anyone that really stuck out to me. No, but, it's not. But um, I think you need to start making a culture to make it legit. You don't need to have teams who come to the, who at one time would go to the Garden knowing that they would get an automatic win, push the Knicks around. I think the Knicks need to win ASAP to show that this is, even in a time where, to be fair, you have the best team in the East in the net. Oh, I mean, I know not statistically at the time, but when, when we, we have seen them when they actually try, be incredible. And as long as everyone's healthy, because I know, <laughs> I think how there's only been like one or two games with the actual big three actually playing together, whether right. it's injury or COVID or Kyrie being, you know, bored. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think it is time. It is no more tanking for the, you know, buys aside just because I can't take it no more. But I think it, you need to start building a building, a winning culture to make it legit. And referring back to the Warriors when, you know, Mark, before Kerr went, went in and starting to build with Mark Jackson. And then, you know, we got the boot and we know what happened three championships later. I think, um, 
it attests to how important to win ASAP and win at the right time is. Because, you know, you don't know who's coming, who else, you know, now you'll have people who actually want to come here. And the sooner, the better. Yeah, and you can't do that if you nothing you're doing. Is, you're just out here losing all the time. Yep. They don't really, people say tanking, and it sounds good, but nobody, you know, I'm going to take the fans' perspective here. No, Nobody as a fan wants to see their team come out and get walloped every game. Nope. Like, you, I mean, I, I want you to put together a good product. Even if you are bad, at least kind of look good. You know, like, mm-hmm. at least give me some effort. You know, the Thunders is a team I see who, they got a bunch of players who probably like scrap heap players. They got guys from trades. They were just like, oh, I guess we can hang on to him, see what you got. <laughs> and then, but they just make it work because you got guys that are willing to play hard and work hard. You know, some of them might be on their last legs and, you know, they're getting some run there, but. I mean, as long as if you're going to be bad, if you play hard, I can respect it. I, I can like it. But don't don't be bad and be one of those teams where you just got all these overinflated salaries and you just got guys just going through the motions. If you're going to be bad, you know, be good at being bad. You know, <laughs> tell me about it, man. But, uh, you, you know, just just a little bit more on the Knicks and Julius Randle. I think I'm turning to say that he is an all-star. At the start of this call, my mind was, no, he's not an all-star. But, you know, I guess the more I talk about the Knicks, the more chummy I get about him. <laughs> and just doing some more research, the team is nearly five points better with him on the floor than without him. I mean, and that's huge knowing that they can't score, period. And when he steps on, he can give you an extra boost to that much. So, I mean, at this point, I'm ready to say the Knicks will make the playoffs. I know that'll probably come back and bite me in the butt because saying the Knicks. Hey, we got it, man. You never know. You never know. (laughs) You you never know. But, I mean, you say Knicks in playoffs, that's almost like an oxymoron. (laughs) No, I hear you. Listen, I, I understand that if they get in, it's probably with the skin of their teeth. But, hey, man, it's been a long time coming, and we need those days. So, what would you consider success for the Knicks this season? What is, like, you walk away saying, oh, man, this was a great Knicks season. I'm ready for next year, even though, I mean, you guys are always ready for next year. <laughs> man, if we just win, if we just go over 500, that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. If, if it, that would, I, again, it's been eight seasons since we went over 500. Hopefully that, again, results into a, either a, a playoff appearance, but... I just really need to see them go over 500, and then we go from there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that that's reasonable to ask. <laughs> and you're not one of the Knicks fans that's asking for the world. And I think you guys. Because, <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure we all know Knicks fans. They, they win three games, and then the Knicks are back. There was a time like that, especially like when KP was playing and when D-Rose <laughs> was first on. It, you you, you everyone talk about chummies when uh your first week that first week and it just went back to reality but now because the team is playing such great on a defensive front now you can actually like okay this is pretty pretty legit Mm. yeah you know i i can see it you know i've never been a knicks fan my parents are knicks fans i've always made fun of them for it (laughs) you know I, I, I can see it. Their over-under for wins at the beginning of the year was 21 and a half. No way. Yeah, Girl. so they they are looking to beat that not even halfway through the season. Oh, bro. Imagine if you bought the over. Yeah. 
I mean, you should have. We should have because we like the the quickly pick on draft night when we went live. Yeah. We both liked the Knicks draft, so we were we were high, we were a little higher on the Knicks than what we expected. And go figure, that's the hoop better be, uh, you know, right. pick right there. Right. It, if any other team wants to get that bump, just right. pay us. It is up. Right. <laughs> For the endorsement. Seriously, it's just you just honestly have to give it to Coach Tom Thibodeau. That's yep. that that is he starting the culture change. It shows that you know, badass much disciplined team is where to go with with that and we finally may have found a legitimate coach my only fear is that he's going to burn out everyone by the playoffs like i said you know you guys you guys got like four guys in top 20 in minutes you know rj's a third year guy or second year guy second Second year guy he feels like he's a third year guy second year guy (laughs) fourth minute does right Fourth in minutes, but no real like increase in that trajectory for his stats. And then obviously, like I said, you know, multiple times Julius Randle leading the league by a long shot too in, in minutes played. So, you know, Thibs like was big start. on the minutes until he got hurt. Yeah, Thibs is, a, and and that's a test of Tibbs too because he got Mitch to be out there to play those minutes without fouling out, which is something he's honestly never done until this year. But you know, Tibbs find his hard workers and he he drains them, but he'll get production out of them so at least there's that and that's going to instill a new culture which you know a guy like julius randall who bets on himself you know chased the bag and you know brought himself to new york and could have been ugly you know is a hard worker at heart you know and don't forget julius randall is still relatively young he's only 26 and i know he's been in the league already what 13 already he's been in the league for seven seasons and uh man it's just I, i i was expecting him to really just play well to try to get on a championship winning core group coming and it seems that the players legit like give a shit and like each other i mean i saw that julius was retweeting quick's instagram post yesterday yeah might give them stuff yeah get him the uh the uh motivation to stay yeah for sure because that's all I'm worrying about is getting trade. If any of this core gets traded, that's it would be tough. And you know, I don't think he will be a Nick. I think he will likely, more likely, be a net. But if we could, if we somehow got, um, uh, what am I forgetting his name? Andre Rot, not Andre. Uh, Andre Drummond, Drummond. To if we got Drummond to the Knicks, oh man, that would be that would be so fucking cool. And he's a New York guy too. He's from Mount Vernon. Went to UConn. Um, I would just love to see him on a Nick, but I think he will probably go to the other team that needs, that needs a big man more and they'll probably go for it. But the Knicks, the Knicks, the Knicks should honestly, if there's moves to be pulled is I think they got to get rid of these young guys that are just not cracking rotation and kind of just dead weight. Yeah, Kevin Knox. Yeah, they can get high value for Knox, which high value means real low right now, but I mean, just (laughs) just sell them right now because this is the highest I feel like they'll get. For now, on the Knicks team, at least, like, you know, focus on yeah. the guys you do have. Obviously, RJ, you know, has played the minutes, so he's going to gain the experience. And hopefully, he can pan out to be a more efficient scorer and a, a smarter player. Especially but, you know, in the fourth Knox, quarter. Yeah, Knox, Frank, even maybe Mitch, you know, I would say sell Ooh. sell now. Sell for something. Get stock up on the picks. Like, like we said, we brought up the Thunder before, you know. Get your guys to play hard, but also build your assets at the same time instead of having dead weight. And who knows? I, 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 I've always saw Kevin Knox 
whenever I've turned on a Knicks game, I don't know what it is, like hit like three threes in a row for an absurd <laughs> And like, I've always seen such streaky shooting from him, and I obviously don't watch long enough to see him stop shooting like that. <laughs> but that formulates me to think that he can be like, you know, some sort of shooting piece for a better playoff team. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's if he has any value at all. That's yeah, that's true. That's true, too. I mean, you know, as the Knicks stand now, they do need more shooting. And you would think Kevin Knox could be able to crack the rotation and, you know, with some shooting. But I guess he can't do that. That's just one thing yeah. he was supposed to do. But, you know, to me, the Knicks, you know, you were t- as a core, I-, I don't know how long they'll wait for a quarter to develop. I think you can, as much as people are in love with Quickly and in love with Randall, if you can move them quick to do like a Bradley Beal deal or something, you know, close to that magnitude, I mean, why not? You know, I mean... I mean, I get like that. Like I said, long time coming, man. Long time coming. Yeah, you know, if the Knicks want to be more than just good, you're gonna have to sacrifice have some to pieces, and and you know, it might seem like same old Knicks. Once you finally got a good thing going, you trade for a bigger, well-known guy. But those are the guys you need in today's NBA to get it done. You know, Giannis isn't leaving anytime soon. Jimmy Butler seems locked in. I mean, who's who's the next big guy to come open? And, yeah, you know, you got to win with superstars unless you can grow your own, which they haven't really. Think like Griffin gets so does got anything left in the tank? Not not, uh, for, <laughs> not for a team like the Knicks. <laughs> I I mean, I mean, he got something, but I don't know if it's basketball. Maybe stand up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, li- I like his comedy. I've seen him before. Before, yeah, me too. Well, I mean, I seen his videos. He's just got something. He, we know where he's going after the fact. Yeah, he's great. No. He's awesome on comedian podcast too. Yeah, he's he's pretty funny, and it's good. But you know, watching him play now, he just stands out at the three point line. He plays three point line to three point line pretty much. Doesn't go on the paint. Doesn't go on the post. It's a far cry from what you would remember Blake Griffin being. Yeah. Hey man. That's for sure. But uh so what do you see as, you know, this trying to put a bow on this Knicks thing? What, what do you see as the Knicks ceiling for this year? What what is your absolute best case scenario for the Knicks? And if we could make the playoffs, I don't I won't and I'm not going to, you know, it's wishful thinking to win a series, but mm-hmm. you know, It'd be nice to go for it and make it competitive. If we could just make the playoffs and be competitive, like D. Rose suggested, it would be a uh, great thing to see. Okay. Not to be that that guy. Well, you can be. I appreciate it. (laughs) Whatever happened to to D. Rose's, like, like his his whole, like, uh, lawsuit? Didn't he, like, didn't didn't that girl come out and he got away with that? I don't remember that. That doesn't really oh, go. Oh, you might oh, be right, but uh, did like something a, go it down? It was a rape case. It was oh, a rape case. The, sure. the we men thing. I think he was he was held liable in, in the civil court. She, she sued him. So I think he yeah. was. I think that's what happened with the so we that, men that, thing. Yeah. That, there, there goes my my uh, D Rose fandom. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for the Windy City Assassin. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
but but you saying you know best case, I, I can see the Knicks, you know whether they end up in the actual playoffs because if they stay the sixth seed, they'll make the actual playoffs and not actually have to play in the play-in game. But I think as the season progresses, they'll probably make some moves, end up in the play-in game. But, you know, as long as they make it competitive, as you're saying, I think that's a successful season. You've got a bunch of young guys, and you got avenues to get better. So I think if you can just boost the value up of some of those young guys and ship them out for uh, some actual great players, then, you know, you can do some things. And they also have first-round picks from Dallas. So, you know... The Knicks, low-key, are in a position to uh, be some big players in the upcoming seasons. We'll we'll see, though. But, uh, Matt, while we have you, before we wrap up, what what is your overall NBA predictions? What what do you think uh, the finals will look like, and what's your thoughts on MVP? Mm -hmm. As much as I love talking about my Knicks and stuff, I understand that maybe they won't be in. I I won't. I'd just be crazy if I thought that they'd be. Uh, um, as far as it be, you know, championship contenders and stuff, and have an MVP candidate. Though some people make a case with Julius, but um, with MVP, hmm, really been thinking hard about it. Maybe because I just hate the Sixers, but. I mean, Joel Embiid has really put the team on his back after all the controversy mm-hmm. and stuff, and that deserves a lot of credit. And, uh, and you know, shit goes down with that. And um, so shouts to, even though it really pains me, I think he's going to get it. Oh, unless uh, we see more of a push and LeBron gets another one than what he deserves. So probably my head's going to go with Joel as long as the Sixers keep playing this way and win the East but on my heart and I really want to see LeBron go he's been pushing and uh um with AD out he's going to build his case OD the next couple of weeks exactly even though the Jazz have been something else I think what they eight straight right now I think uh, 19 of the last 20 Jesus so, so I mean it's crazy that's what uh crazy shit's happening but uh, that's what I say, and I think I'm going to go with a – I genuinely believe a uh, Lakers and Nets finals. I really think the Nets are just going to just turn turn on a switch. It'd become fucking amazing, and we're going to see KD and Le- versus LeBron once again. The, the most uh, – it's such a cool rivalry seeing those guys both whether it's Cavs and Warriors and now hopefully be the Nets and the Lakers. It's just like witnessing Batman versus Joker or freaking, I don't know, Tyson, Ali. And it's, it's, it's quite a time. Yeah. And that, that'll be KD's this. I feel like this will be KD's first time to like, really just like, just stop Bron. Cause I feel to me, him in those finals with the Warriors, just, wasn't KD's like statement and no matter how high the numbers were in the finals MVP etc like you know KD wanted to do everything that he could to get there rather than this Nets decision was kind of more of a play who he wants to play but still be elite coming off the injury and just kind of taking back his place at the top because there's so many questions on KD and you know he KD really got sunned by LeBron their first trip <laughs> and this will finally. I feel like if he were to smoke him in this finals, like that would finally be his revenge, because he got too much. It was too much hate coming from the Warriors. Like 
too much hate. And, you know, people got away from hating on him, but the Nets chip could really put his head over the top. Yeah, I mean, I th- <laughs> well, we'll see. Once it for all, who who's going to be, you know, again, I know technically KD's two over two and one in the finals, but I think LeBron is just going to, just gonna push and then and, and finally get that one over him in a time where you saw Brady making more of his goat stats, even just more of a reason for um LeBron to push and maybe get it closer to Jordan if he can. That'd be a big deal getting number five. Yes, sir. Definitely, you know, you know. I'm team LeBron over here too. Uh he has me on payroll. Not really, but he can, you know. Um but, you know, thanks, Matt, for joining us today. Uh, I had a great time talking with you, talking Knicks, talking your life, and talking uh, your podcast life. And uh, Anything you want to tell the people before we go? Yo, I've, first, I just want to say thank you guys. One of the best podcasts on the rise. You guys got a special place in my heart because uh, you were the first real, you and me were the second podcast to come on, but I just had so much great chemistry and you really made me uh, learn. I love doing podcasts after our show. So thank you for that. And uh, because we were new to each other and I, we had such a good show. That's why, again, I mentioned it's a special one to me. So thank you. And I can't wait to see what you guys are doing, but yeah, feel free. Please check out the productive conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube every Monday and Thursday. And please, everybody, please like it, subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast as well on YouTube and all podcasting platforms. And also check us out for all exclusive Productive Conversations podcast content on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com where you can see our merchandise store. You can see my blogs I write. You can see my resume for those hiring managers. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And um, yeah, like I said, every Monday and Thursday for everybody. And uh, my just last thing is just believe in yourself. Keep moving. And I expect uh, you guys to keep moving forward and pushing to, and as well as anyone listening to this podcast. We appreciate that. There you that. go. You know, don't forget, he got the IG too, Instagram, Productive Conversations. Go ahead. And- That's right. Yes. Check us out on Instagram yeah. at Productive Conversations Podcast. Uh, check us out on Twitter at Prod Convo Pod. And check us out on TikTok at Productive Conversations. And also me at Matt Brown 300 as my personal Instagram. There it is. You know, uh, thank you for joining us. You know, Danny, I'll talk to you soon. This has been another week on the couch. Remember, guys, five stars. Go five star the Productive Conversations podcast. Five star us. If not, you're a loser and we hate you. But uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Still Fuck you guys who are losers, but change your ways. Give these guys, <laughs> show. remember, show your faith in this amazing show because they're talented and all you, all the listeners for your show are in a special place because you got to give them hoop therapy. Mm. Let's get it. All we right, like boys. that.